Welcome to Public Safety Technology. I am your host, Dan Wright. We appreciate you joining our show, and we hope that you enjoy our content that we bring to you concerning technology and public safety, mental health, how it's affecting your 911 call takers, your dispatchers, and your first responders. Each show will bring you a 911 leader or a public safety technology leader that will bring you information related to public safety and technology. Please share our podcast, and we hope you enjoy. Dan Wright, your host here on Public Safety Technology Podcast, and we are excited and honored to rep to see. I've already messed up. We're excited to bring in Mr. Jamison Peavy House from Rapid SOS to have a talk and just uh, learn about him and get his thoughts on where technology is taking public safety and 911. Jamison, good morning. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, sir. And yourself? Doing well. A little chilly this morning, but doing very well. Excited to be here for this conversation, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm excited to hear you say that. I don't know if you what you caught you, you caught what I said there, where technology is taking 911, uh, because I do <clears throat> I do believe that uh, we're going to see technology drive where 911 goes. But before we get into that, uh, for the the very few that may be listening that haven't heard about you or your story, if uh, you want to just give a quick introduction and tell us about how you got where you are, I'd love to hear that story. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I, I fresh out of high school, um, I thought I wanted to be an EMT, and then I realized I didn't much care for body fluids. So <laughs> I said, I think I'll try nine one one. In all seriousness, though, I was working EMS uh, in a part time capacity and. Now one job came open and I, and I kind of jumped on it and it a uh, few weeks into it, I knew I'd, you know, found this uh, spot in a home. Um, I served in our local jurisdiction for 19 and a half years. And that was telecommunicator and trainer and supervisor. And I always tell folks I got demoted uh, to director because he took me out of the seat and put me in the back office, probably where I belonged. Um, but I, I, you know, at that point I had the chance to, uh, become more uh, engaged with the response out of things as merchant management director as well. Um, and so being able to, you know, assist the public in the comm center, the policies, procedures, and, you know, what the vision is going to be for 911, but also being able to support the functions of the emergency response side when the incident became too large, you know, typically when the emergency management becomes evolved. Um, after about almost 20 years there, uh, I left and went to the state of Tennessee as their statewide training coordinator. Uh, working with Curtis and just an amazing team there uh, for about three years, supporting the state and its rollout of its online training program, um, in-person training that was uh, by Nina, Denise Amber Lee Foundation and others, uh, traveling across the state, trying to help you know jurisdictions understand where, where they sit uh, in comparison with the law and the requirements. Uh, and just basically that job is about relationship building. It really is. And um, after about three years, uh, Rapid SOS and I had a discussion and uh, I, it's always been a company I always said I would work for because I believe in their mission. I believe in their values. Um, and I thought, man, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time that I transition to something where uh, maybe I could help to influence, you know, a, a wider audience or um, to be able to really push technology into the hands of telecommunicators at their time of need. And I've been here almost three months, I guess. Um, 
and it's been man, it's been a fantastic journey already. And I can tell you that even from comm center status and emergency management and working disasters and you know terrific in- incidents, um, I had to learn how to get back up to cadence because man, they move exceedingly fast, and it's just like wow, this is crazy. So, you know, going from you know the the government sector to where you're responding all the time, which means something has occurred and you have a response to it to this uh, emerging technologies uh, type of interaction to where you better be on the bleeding edge. You better be thinking outside the box, thinking over the horizon about what's coming next because you can't respond to it. If you respond to it, you're behind the eight ball right. uh, and you're really not servicing your community. So it's been interesting. Very interesting. Well, fantastic. I, I appreciate that little summary there. I'm sure that was a very high level of, <clears throat> of your career. Yeah. yeah so uh, <laughs> I want to start off by, by talking about something that, I don't know. Well, I know I didn't realize it until the day of, but uh, the Christmas Day bombing in Nashville and the unfortunate experience that so many had of of losing 911 service, but something that was that got pushed out on social media during the event was the ability for jurisdiction view to still plot and give information to those PSAPs that are using the technology. So can you talk a little bit about how that come about and when it sure. was realized? Sure. So uh, for those not familiar and not to be a commercial here, but the rapid SOS jurisdiction view, basically um, when a call is placed for my wireless device uh, or, you know, appropriate sensors, et cetera, that information is passed from the device outside the typical 9 network uh, to your mapping and dispatch. And for the majority of the time, those calls show up before the phone even rings. Like you see it pop on the map, location information, additional data, et cetera, and then the phone starts ringing. But what we realized during the Christmas Day bombing is that the loss of infrastructure for so many comm centers who are our customers, um, they were still seeing the calls pop on the map, but the phone wasn't ringing. And it gave them the ability to be able to triage those calls, say, hey, there's probably something going on here, and they would find alternate means to reach back out to those comm centers, whether it be personal uh, cellular devices or whatever it may had at their disposal basically that worked and be able to complete those calls. That's a different level of customer service, right? We always talk about contingencies for, you know, loss of infrastructure. We migrate to some of the facility probably inside our same jurisdiction. But when you have something of that magnitude that takes out large scale, um, multiple comm centers all at one time, and there is no failover plan for, you know, something of that magnitude, um, having that additional tool that we've, they've been using since uh, I think it was March of last year, 2020, uh, free of charge and you just say, hey, just a reminder, guys, you, you may see information still popping on your map. Uh, and if you do, those are people trying to reach 911 and then going back to later and looking at those metrics and listening to the stories of the comm centers thinking, man, if we hadn't had this, this had been really um, difficult for us to manage the situation. So just really proud of that ability that we've given to the telecommunicator. Now we, you know, we, I was actually driving uh, to meet with family in South Dakota uh, when it occurred. And we had talked about flying. And of course, if we fly, we fly out of uh, Nashville. Um, and it, we would have been at the airport and the airport was shut down because they lost all the communications as well. And uh, I pulled over on the south of the interstate there somewhere in Iowa. <laughs> and I was like, you know, how do you, how do you message? How do you do this, this critical uh, messaging uh, in the moment of need? Right. And, and, um, we come from a standpoint that we're here to basically just to empower the telecommunicator uh, with additional information, data, 
sources of information that they can use to make an informed decision. And so we just protest, hey, you know, just a reminder, if you're seeing this, this is what's occurring. If we can help in any way, let us know. We had, I think it was two or three different communities reach out and said, hey, we've been putting it off for a while, getting y'all, how fast can you get us turned on? And that's that's huge, right? Because they're completely down. Right. There's, there's no fell over. Uh, and for those folks, I think we executed in less than four hours. Oh, um, wow. From, you know, hey, we don't, we're not a customer to, hey, you have full access. That's uh, pretty impressive. Know, it is. So proud of our team. Uh, just amazing work that we do at the company is just blowing my mind. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's the public expectation is growing every single day uh, right. for public safety. And well, unfortunately, I, our budgets are not. Exactly. And I, I can't tell you. I mean, I was... <clears throat> Uh, as a negative to my family, once that happened, I was glued to the entire event that day. And, Me too. Uh, I was not surprised, but I guess concerning or maybe showing the, the lack of what we think we are prepared for in, in this community is, is the number of citizens that pretty much said, it's 2020, how is 911 not working? Right. And so... You know, you look at that and then you look at these free tools that are available and it's a valid question. It's a, you know, yeah, it wasn't working in our normal operations, but that's what we do in this business is we adapt and overcome that's right. every day to things that don't work properly. So absolutely correct, man. It's, you know, and there are a lot of things out here we can, we can lean on for that are free tools and we've leaned on for years. I mean, there's probably not a comm center that I haven't visited at some point on some call, they've had to revert to Google maps because exactly. maybe the author imagery is up to date, or there's additional data there that we didn't know about, or we're searching some really obtuse business name that we haven't seen in common places. Um, so there are always tools available. Just having the ability to have that, that common operational picture and uh, JV or jurisdiction view. Um, it's just, it's so empowering for our folks. Uh, and everywhere you talk to them, is like, Hey, how, how can we make that better for you? Um, and I love it because most of the time, if you worked in public safety for very long, you talk about, you know, we're going to get an implemental CAD upgrade uh, once every quarter, maybe once every six months. We might do a full version revision maybe once a year, once every 18 months. Uh, and we're rolling out updates weekly. And again, different cadence, uh, just a different mindset. And uh, I haven't found a good word for it yet, man, but... There, there's a word out there for the job that we're doing for our folks in the front lines. Um, just being able to provide that, it's, I don't know. I'll find the roar soon enough, Dan. I'll text it to you. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, I can't find a word that encompasses just the mindset, the skill set, the culture, the vision, um, all of those things. And just to walk into a comm center and say, here it is. Use it. Break it. Let us know how we can make it better. And by the way, it doesn't cost you anything. Right, I know when uh, we had to utilize the uh, TURT uh, response during Hurricane right. Sally, we were able to use it as a, uh, a pseudo-mutual aid tool. I, I, I've coined that term for it yep. uh, because some of the TURT response people that came in used it at their center, and so they got here, and it was just a seamless transition. They didn't it have is. to know the geography. They didn't have to know street names. They used the tool that they were already familiar with 
and were able to sit in the seats and take calls and, and get people the help they needed. And that, that was that was phenomenal. Uh, it is right to because, be able to use it that way. You know, working with Turt in the years past, I mean, you have a, a Turt request form that's six, eight, ten pages long. And you know, what what version of CAD are you using? You know, what's the revision number? What version of call taking are you using, et cetera? And in those disaster scenarios of that magnitude, it's let's just get the calls answered and get some, you know, you know, assistance on the way, validate where they're at. And having that information at your fingertips is fantastic. Um, and being able to see it on something you're used to is even better. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is really a, a game changer. And we've seen that, of course, in your hurricane. We've seen it in the wildfires out west. Um, it's It really is this, um, what we saw in the bombings. We're seeing it in some of the civil unrest issues. And again, you're, you're right. It really is a, a mutual aid tool between comm centers. It really is. And you'll see some things later this year, uh, pretty soon that are going to amplify that. Well, I think that's a good segue into our next uh, discussion. I mean, we're talking about rapid SOS and jurisdiction view and, you know, just as a plug for your, your free product, if, if you're listening to this and your piece app does not have jurisdiction view, call or email rapid SOS yep. and get it. I'm insanely excited about 2021. Um, couldn't wait for 2020 to get over with, right? Get that out of the way, <laughs> put that behind you. But 2021, when it comes to connected devices and technology and location information, uh, for now one, it's going to be just outstanding. Uh, I tell you, you, just just hearing you say that just gives me chills. Knowing <laughs> that, that if you're excited, and I have reason to be excited, so yeah. that's just fantastic. So, you know, we we I mentioned where technology is is taking 911. So if if we can for a moment, and uh, you know, I, I know you have things that you can't talk about and I respect and understand that but I want to get get your idea uh, of where the PSAP may be you know putting a timeline on it is, is so arbitrary but just say if I don't know I, I, I guess I can summarize what I'm trying to say by this is, is I envision that a tr traditional 911 call will soon be the same amount of request for service that we currently get as a wireline call. And approximately 80% nationwide of our calls are wireless, meaning that 20% come into our centers from some type of traditional wireline means. So my vision or, or my thoughts are that a call in general, where it be wireless or wireline, will be at that 20% sometime in the near future. And our requests are going to come in through, I'll just use the term to describe it all, connected devices, whether that's sensors yep. or cameras or whatever. So uh, what's, what's your thoughts? And then I can give you some, some rebuttal on some of my, my positions on that. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting so, down. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to stand up and sit back down again just to make sure. All right. I've been around long enough to remember when wireless first rolled out. Right. And I talk about this quite a bit. Um, we fought wireless because we, we like we don't have point address uh, of where this person's calling from. And we went through phase zero, phase one, phase two data. Phase two data was, you know, we had a rebid and it was such a a boondoggle for quite a few years. Uh, additional, you know, providers came on the market space, up on tires went up everywhere, and now we're just, we're just struggling. 
right? We had to create maps of our local information so that we could effect a response based upon some XY coordinate. And then um, VoIP comes along, exacerbates that issue a little bit for us. Um, we had to figure that out on the fly. Uh, and then we started noticing wireless calls start exploding uh, as, a, as a reference of, you know, percentage of calls in. Uh, landline calls start, you know, start declining. And then there's a flip-flop, right? Mid-2000s, there's a flip-flop. Wireless calls start outpacing landline calls, uh, including, you know, PBX, et cetera. And we then could see the writing on the wall. Like we have to have location information. At that time, um, you know, the FCC said that we're losing about 10,000 people a year uh, due to location inaccuracy, that we can't find them in time and they perish. And that was, a, that was for me, that was huge. That was right into the gut. And we've, we've had calls where, you know, you, you just could not find the person and it just took forever. And then finally, it's, it's a bad outcome. So wireless calls exploded because there are more and more calls, uh, more and more devices in the handsets of your family, right? The family plan was a big deal. Once they got rid of that whole nights and weekend thing, and you can call and text anybody for, you know, whatever time of day you want it to, um, cell phones exploded. We're, we're showing our age with nights right? and weekends. We are. We are. It's like, what is, <laughs> what is nights and weekends, Dad? Google it. Um, so then we, we saw that, you know, basically there, there's a, probably a cap. Most folks have one device. Some may have two Um in the current role, and, and we're getting younger and younger, but I've seen, you know, six, seven years old, not iPhone or an Apple or Android device. But I think we're kind of, you know, hitting some plateaus there. It's not, it's not the explosive growth we're seeing, just incre incremental growth. IoT presents a different thing. There are probably more IoT devices on the market right now than there are cellular devices, which is huge. Um, and I think about what that means for us in 911. IoT devices aren't based on a human's need to interact with it. And so we could still maintain the current call over sailor, uh, but then we could see IoT devices start outpacing, not by percentage base, but just by call volume, that information that we're seeing from uh, sailor devices. So in the comp center, how do we deal with that, right? We can take the mindset that we did with wireless. We're never going to take wireless. We're not going to do it. Don't send me that call. And here we are today taking them. Right, it's just part of our daily business. I think we need the same mindset with IoT. We need to be understanding that hey, there's there's additional data here that we can use to make a more informed decision in a time appropriate manner, as geo referenced, that I can make some kind of actionable decision on and affect an outcome better, faster, wiser than what we have in the past. That takes, like you said earlier, you kept using the word vision, right? And that's why we at Rapid SOS really uh, reach out to our users uh, and say, hey, we have something coming online in your general area. We would like for you to be a focus group, an alpha or beta site. We want to get your input on this. We want to understand your operational workflows and how can we in integrate this new XYZ tech piece into your operations to where it actually reduces the workload that you have today. Because let's just be honest with you, taking information from a caller who is hysterical or having to face a really stressful moment is workload intensive. To get the correct information is workload intensive for the telecommunicator. And that might just be the location. I mean, if we can, we've been solving that issue for five years now, just a location piece saves so much time. Just imagine if you didn't have to solve that piece on every call, that that piece right. is already taken care of for you and you're just validating what you're already seeing on the screen. 
right? And that's that's huge for us. So you talked a lot about vision, Dan. Our job at Rapid SOS is to bring focus to that vision, to listen to what y'all need, to listen to what you think, how it should be integrated. Show it to me on a map, make it timely, make it action uh, driven, help me decrease my workload. And they, we as a company take your vision, we add some focus to it with APIs or with coding or whatever it may be that we need to make sure that's a very sharp and refined vision, not just 2020 vision, but 2015 vision. And what that means is you're able to see clearer further into that emergency than you've ever been able to see before. And that's, that's such a great place to be, man. I, it's fantastic. Oh, it's, it's I'm going to excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, one of the use cases I can see in, in coming from my fire service background is, you know, the fire service for so long has preached smoke detectors save lives and they do. Well, let, yeah. let's, let's talk about a, a connected smoke detector. Oh, you know, it, tr traditionally, if a smoke detector wakes a family up, they, they get up, hopefully they get out, uh, and then the 911 system is activated. So, right. you know, we're, we're two, three, five minutes into this fire. Yeah. I, I imagine and, and have vision of a day where that smoke detector system in that home is connected to 911. 911 gets the alert, the request for service. It shows which room the fire is in. It gives you the temperature and then, and, and, and the, at the expense of sounding big brotherish, it lets us know what rooms are occupied. Yep. We get a diagram, <clears throat> excuse me, we get a diagram or an outlay of the home that pops up and, you know, we're able to initiate that response possibly before the occupants even know that the home is on fire. Right. And we're talking about saving two, three, four, five minutes. I mean, that, that lends to lives saved, property saved, uh, quicker recovery for everybody involved. And you talk about something that gets me excited is knowing that 911 can be the, the repository for making all that happen. And, you know, that, that can be recreated through almost every event that we deal with on an everyday basis. You're right. You're right. And two, three, four, or five minutes is great. Two, three, four, or five lives is better. Um, and I know you, you probably just like me, there's probably two or three or four calls that just stick with you, man. And you're like, dude, if, if we just had had a little more time, just 60 seconds, right? 45 seconds. Give, give me 45 seconds more on this call. It's, it's, it's a different outcome right. for, an, for one person, two children, an entire family. I can name three calls, bang, bang, bang. And that's tough, right? I mean, that's, you know, you talk about how do we affect that, right? Well, there, there's pieces of this. And, and when I was with Nina, uh, we had a Future Think Summit in Palo Alto, California, right? Right in, right in the heart of Silicon Valley and had all the big names there. And we had, you know, we, what we thought were issues, Right. And how can we solve this issue? How can we solve this technology thing? You know, what's going to be the driver now on? What's going to be our roadblocks coming up? And like two hours into it, some person from a really large, really large company uh, on the globe raised their hand and said, you haven't said anything that we can't solve in two weeks engineering time. Wow. And it struck us. We're like, we in 911 are kind of behind the curve in public safety as a whole. 
And they're like, you know, your, your biggest issue is not going to be technology. We can solve that for you. Your biggest issue is going to be personnel. Yep. It's going to be not only just staffing issues, but it's going to be finding the right staff who can operationalize that information on the fly and affect a more appropriate response. And so then we started, we spent the next day and a half talking about how do we impact that? How do we find the right people? How do we say we're probably the people who are hired in today, the likelihood they're here in 30 years to retire from 911? Abysmal, low, sub 1%. We have to realize that our training methodologies, our uh, onboarding methodologies, our hiring practices, and et cetera, have to be accelerated so that when they are here three to five to nine years, we're able to actually get them up to speed faster so that we can help solve our own staffing issues. But then on the flip side of that is, how do we embrace technology? And we talked about Sailor. That's fear, uncertainty, and doubt, man. How do we quell fear, uncertainty, and doubt? We talk about, you brought up alarms, right? Alarms are a huge issue. There are, there are, there are a lot of false alarms, and you've worked in the comp center long enough, you probably turn tires on plenty of alarms that you get right outside the door and it's canceled. Right, cancel, cancel. So a more intelligent response to alarms would help us out tremendously. But just because we had 99 cancels doesn't mean on alarm 100, we just like, let's just wait a minute and see what happens. No, we can't be that way. We can't have that complacency. In the comm center, when we have new technologies come along, it's typically been, hey, let's get on a CAD system with this new piece of equipment or a new piece of uh, functionality in you know two years. Let's plan for that. Let's budget for that because that's a huge expense. Let's prepare how to operationalize that. And then by the time two years rolls around, we have the money. Either we have to select a, a, a different vendor or a different level on that uh, vendor because things have changed. Things like us at Rapid SOS, uh, companies like us, people like us who have to strive to change the response industry. We have to be on the forefront, not just evangelizing, like I say, evangelizing on the pros and cons of technology. We also have to be impacting the mindset uh, and the culture of a comm center to say, yeah, these are some trying times. And yeah, we've got some work to do on how to figure out how to do things correctly for you. But we've got to have your input as well. We've got to have that excitement. Like you and I are talking about this and we're excited about this because we've seen enough things go wrong or that could have went better to know that, man, technology can help us out. And that's not going to replace the comm center. It's not going to replace the telecommunicator. It's not going to replace the responder. But it can augment. It can most definitely augment. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, and, and that's one thing that, that we're all going to face from a management level is I think the first thing is going to be getting our telecommunicators to trust the information they're receiving. Right. And uh, the the unfortunate thing is is that we, we train them to you know, live by the rule, die by the rule so much that there are times when technology does not all work and all the pieces right. don't come together. And so we have to maintain that level of situational awareness and training for the employees that that they know to trust the data, but when it breaks, what do they do? And I, I think this, this term has become more common, but my take on how do we hire in the future is we've got to start hiring data analysts to work 911 because that's what they're going to be. And, and maybe, you know, th this is not, uh, this is definitely not my idea, but, you know, maybe we have data analysts and we have call takers and, 
everybody's not one and the same in, in a lot of places. Uh, right. But they're they're out there, and uh, th- those people that want to do want to do good work are out there. But that's just the mindset that we've got to take from a management standpoint. Is 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 it's moving from everything that we've done is reactionary and we we've got to move our mindset to be a proactive response agency or a a proactive piece of the response. Yeah. And I think there's two pieces to that. Right. And and we've always kind of used that in public safety as hindsight, right? We can take uh, a list of calls geo-referencing for a six month timeframe and we can station, you know, one EMS unit at this intersection. Uh, Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m., because that's where most of the accidents happen at. That's that's a reactionary response to data, right? Data-driven decision. You talked about data analysts in the 9-1 Center. What if the data that's coming in is no different than the data you see every day on your device anyway, right? So I think that as we've been talking about, the conversation started probably four years ago about data analysts in the 9-1 Center. In that time frame, my children are better data analysts than I'll ever be because they understand workflows, they understand the games they're playing and the, the things they're interacting with. We're almost reaching that point in society to where we're constantly computations, constant computations on the data in our mindset. And we, we're just a different, um, let's say different level. It's a different type of human interaction with that device or with that data on the fly. You know, we you talk about trusting data. Um, how many times have, you know, you've been given a call and it's like, you know, it's going to be, you know, 12, 234, Highway 45 North. And you got there like, dispatch, it's actually 12, 236. Did you, <laughs> did you find a car on fire? It's, a, it's, it's the only car on fire in that entire block, I promise you. You know, that's that's the piece that we've always kind of honed in on. Um, or when we're taking callers uh, information, they're like, hey, I think it was a, a red four-door, you know, Geo Metro. And you get out there. And they still a, make those? Right. I was, I was trying to find something that I don't still make. Um, and you get out there and it's like a green two door or something another because you didn't take it into account. Maybe they're colorblind or maybe, you know, there's some other aspect of it. It's a speeding motor. So they weren't t- paying attention. But the data we're delivering to you on that time of crash tells you make, model, impact, speed, et cetera. That's data you can trust. Exactly. Um, and for us, it's as a company, uh, we don't take that lightly uh, at all. Because we know that the data we're pushing forward to you is so important. And for years, we talked about additional data versus supplemental data, right? Um, additional data is something we can give you kind of about the call. Uh, things that have already occurred, additional information. You, you show up and you find like, hey, I can validate that or I can see that on the screen. Supplemental data can actually help you derive uh, decisions, uh, that data-driven decision-making process. That's huge. That can really help us. And that's when you start talking about smoke alarms tied to temperature sensors tied to water flow, right? So anytime that we ever had an alarm company call in and say, hey, we have a smoke alarm zone 34, XYZ, you know, business on the southeast in the building and we have water flow. Oh, okay. So we have smoke and a sprinkler. So we probably have a fire. Um, having that information now delivered to us with or without, without a phone call in the near future is, <laughs> that's huge. That's right. huge, but, but it also changes the way we have to stop and think about how we operationalize that. And those are decisions to make locally. Exactly. I mean, you know, we should be able to get which sprinkler heads flowing and, yep. <clears throat> you know, get away from zone 34 and go get Show something me. like, you know, level three or the third floor room four. 
Yeah. Uh, Click here to show me the third floor floor plan of this building. Because I can assure you as a responder, when you go to a business that they do not have a map that shows zone 34 and the poor security guard who has no idea doesn't know where zone 34 <laughs> is either. <laughs> yeah, and, and the one person who does know is like, I don't really want to get out of bed tonight. Uh, exactly. you know, this thing has been going on for two weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. So oh, man. Good old days. You, you mentioned the telematics from a vehicle type thing. Uh, you know, I, th I think that just from what, I, what little I know, the telematics are increasing exponentially fast uh, yep. in the information. I, mean, I think, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I believe I saw a commercial for a manufacturer that touted their ability to call emergency responders. Mm -hmm. Did I see that or did I make that up? If you own a, um, a Google Pixel, I think it's Google Pixel 4 and 5, your telematics is built into your device. Okay. That's which is incredible, right? It's no longer, I don't have to own, uh, back in the day, right, a super expensive car um, <laughs> to have connectivity. It's already built because your device, the same sensors or even better sensors than what you have in your vehicle. Um, my For years, I've used uh, Life360 uh, for my children. Yep. And um, I have a friend of mine who lives up in the mountains and, you know, she's at work one day and the device just notifies her. We think your daughter's been in an accident. And sure enough, our daughter left the roadway, hit a, hit a tree, you know, showed sudden deceleration from 45 to zero, which is pretty indicative of a crash. Right. Um, and, you know, and she immediately reached out to her and said, hey, are, are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we've, we've already notified EMS, et cetera. We're all good. Those things that have been in the market space forever. It's just, how do we incorporate those? How do we, op again, the keyword, operationalize these things in my PSAP? And here's the key takeaway. When telematics first came out, it was really expensive cars that had it, right? It very limited uh, market penetration. We start talking about pushing this information to you, the telecommunicator on the front lines, uh, putting it at your fingertips to be able to make a more informed decision. That doesn't happen because you have, you know, a hundred Teslas in your community. It happens because we do things nationwide now. The rollout of these ability to integrate data doesn't happen based upon, well, you know, Athens, Georgia wants to be able to do this, but Athens, Alabama doesn't. So neither one of them. We're just going to say, you all have the same data. You choose how you operationalize that. You know your abilities. You know your skill set. You know where your training's at for your people. We'll help you with that. But at the end of the day, you make the decision what you want to do with this data, but you have access to it. And that, it doesn't matter if that person driving from, you know, my hometown, if I had connected device inside my vehicle and I'm traveling across the U.S. and I have a crash, I want that same level of service that I would get in my hometown. Uh, whether that be through, you know, like with a, a great t uh, trained telecommunicator who doesn't have access to data or has somebody who has, you know, rapid SOS embedded into every call flow they have. And so that's how we're really affecting change because it's, it's not based upon your budget. It's not based upon your, your, your geodiversity of, of, you know, income models, et cetera. It's not based on any of that. It's based on the fact of we're going to push you the data and you can choose how you operationalize that. And what's more, here's four or five or six different ways other people across the U.S. your same size are using it today. Right. And that's huge. It really is. Yeah, I've, I remember when uh, I got the Raven app postcard. Yeah. And I uh, went out and tested it extensively, but I was on the uh, 
the same train that Tracy was, was, you know, anytime that we have an app that somebody has to take action on, it's not going to work. So, you know, the, the ability of things and where I'm going with that is, is just the amount of data that we all have in our devices that we carry around every day. And I'm talking about cell phones at this particular point. But we, you know, we put our health information in there. We put our emergency yep. contacts in there. It's, it's what we all, well, the majority of us, it's what we all live by. And the fact that, that 911 can get that information that everybody yep. is inputting automatically without any other action is, is where the rubber meets the road for us. And all of that, it's, again, like emergency health profile stuff that we rolled out last year um, during COVID. It's free yep. to everyone in America. And, it, and that's for me. That's astounding. Like, like how how can you affect humanity? We're going to impact humanity during the one of the worst pandemics ever. Um, you know, sans the bubonic plague. But uh, but just being able to down the flies, like, hey, here's an idea. Let's do this. Okay, we can do that. We got some engineers. We're willing to devote some time to that. And boom, and now you have something that impacts the entire United States population again in the same year. Um, it's fantastic. I, I just think for so long we in public safety we've just been in this our own little microcosms, man. Uh, we're all doing basically the same job function, right? We're answering calls for service from our community, people we know, people we interact with, um, places that we see on a regular basis. Uh, I can't drive through my community. I, I I like to drive because when I'm driving, I'm paying attention to the road. I learned that if my wife is driving and I'm not paying attention to the road, I'm looking at the window. I'm like, I remember that house. Remember that crash scene or the intersection we're going to that house and it's, just, and it's just you know i start talking about these things she's like do you have to tell every story i'm like let me drive <laughs> so you know let's 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 segue a little bit on the on additional data right the other day i was i was talking my wife is is a um is an amazingly intelligent person in the own industry as well and uh, we're talking about additional data and how we operationalize that and i said we've had this forever We've we've always had additional data. It's just been coming in through our ear. Right. It's it's the background noises. It's the gunshots. It's the you know breaking plates. It's physically uh, being able to hear someone getting beat on the phone um, in domestic. It's it's all those things, right? It's the car crash where you hear people you know outside the vehicle talking. All those things. We've always had additional data. We just had to process it in our own brain and then put it onto a computer screen. We're helping you cut out the processing that time frame in your brain and putting on the computer screen by dividing, uh, providing it to you directly on the screen. Now, I think about how do you explain additional data to people who don't understand that or don't know how to operationalize that. It's no different than riding in a vehicle with your family and you're at an intersection and you look right and you look left and nothing's coming and you start to pull out and somebody says, whoa, and you stop really quickly and then a car goes past you, right? That whoa was your additional data. Right. That's a piece that you just didn't take into account. And a hundred times in a row, you're going to pull out and there's not going to be anything there. But there's going to be one time where that additional data is going to be the difference between life and death or suffering. And if we don't pay attention to that moment and we just pull on out like we've always done before, we're going to wind up in the news. We're going to wind up carrying home with us some grief that's never going to leave our bodies. And we don't want that for our folks. And that's one of the core pieces of why we push so hard at Rapid SOS to make sure that we're pushing all the data that we can get. You're right. There are dozens of apps uh, out here on the market space 
apps that are really wanting to do the same thing that we're doing, impact humanity. But they want you to be able to integrate one at a time through the comms center, right? If you have five apps, 10 apps, 15 apps in your jurisdiction, you can't do that. But if we integrate those right into Rapid SOS portal, then it's all presented on the screen that you understand. Regardless of what's going on in the background, you're seeing it in a format that you understand, you can act on, and you can go, whoa, this is different. Something's different here. How do I impact that? We're never going to replace the, the fact that telecommunicator is the smartest computer in the room. It, it's not, you're not going to do that. There's, right. there's no CAD system has been able to keep up with a great set of telecommunicators during a tornado. Won't happen. Nope. <laughs> I'll be operating so quickly. Uh, most everything's nonverbal. Um, and it's, it's just astounding. But having a more information, having a clearly defined picture, a clearly defined vision, we talked about that focus uh, in the future is just going to change the way that we impact people. And no longer are we going to have that main line from our ear into our psyche to having to, to listen to someone in the incredibly stressful moments of their life, trying to listen through the emotion that's going on with that caller to get the data we need and then carrying that around with us all the time. We can help alleviate some of that, right? Not every call, but some of that. We can alleviate with this one down the screen. It says, hey, I see that here that your emergency health profile says that you have a diabetic child. Is that still true? Yes, yes, that's what's going on. Okay, thank you very much. We have you know, EMS on the route. Let's talk about how we can get the blood sugar back up. That's a big piece, right? That's a huge piece. We're getting help to people faster, and we're getting more informed, as you said earlier, more informed yeah. data. I mean, I've used right. the, the example of a crash at a major intersection where we get some automatic video feeds in. And before we ever get the first traditional call, we can have responders rolling with vehicle descriptions, what's going on. Yep. And yep. then on top of that, we're not depending upon somebody's perception of what they're seeing during an event that they're experiencing for the very first time in their lives that they don't even know how yeah. to process yet. And so we're getting actionable data that's not a perception of the person we're actually talking to. And I mean, how many times right. you, you've been a responder, do you get dispatched on this horrendous sounding incident and you get there and it's a stumped toe? You call yeah. dispatch back and they're like, no, they told us the toe was hanging off. There was blood spurting <laughs> everywhere. And, you know, we get there and we're like, yeah, they just stumped their toe. It's no big deal. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely correct, right? And and we, you know, we 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 get beat on all the time in telecommunicators because we just relay what the caller tells us. We oh, just kicked up eating donuts and bonbons. Not yeah, doing right. Anything. You're not doing anything. You're just <laughs> listening. And so, yeah, I've been there, and I've been on both sides of that fence, right? I've I've given out information I thought was going to be terrible, and it winds up being nothing, right? And I've also given out those calls that were, you know, hey, is there a car parking on the side of the road? Can you send somebody out here? And it's a cardiac arrest, right? But uh, the other day, I guess a little over a year ago, my son was riding um, with my wife and uh, this lady beside them in the vehicle beside them ran off the side of the street. It impacted a telephone pole. And he watched it. Right Here's a oh, guy wow. who plays Fortnite and Call of Duty in the whole nine yards. And he calls me and I can just tell something's off. He's like, Dad, there's, a, there's been a wreck. I was like, really? He goes, she just didn't stop. She had, she had a pole. She didn't stop. And like, she's, she's got blood. And like, and, and I knew woof, this is traditional, just straight up non caller who's never been involved in any type of emergency situation in their life. This is first impact, right? Mm -hmm. It's like two hours later. He's still like, man, that was, that was really intense. I like, like, like I don't forget that spot. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really cool. But you're right. Because for him, it was, man, this is a life changing environment. And for the person who's actually in the wreck, it was, 
I was texting her after I hit a phone pole and I bumped my head on the steering wheel. I'm, right. I'm good. Just, you know, give me some galls and I'll go home. Um, that's right. You, you have to take into account all aspects of that. Additional data can help do that piece for us. It really can be um, a force multiplier. And I use that word a lot because it's applicable. It's a force multiplier in our job function, uh, giving us that clear vision. It's so exciting for me. I want to go sit back on the console and just right, work right. for a while and just experience it. You know, oh man, some of the some of the feedback we get from people and, and the stories and, and I am like, I would just want like I just want to take them. And we're getting so many. I was like, I want to take them every day and just post one every day. Like yeah. here it is, here it is, here. and not not as an advertisement, but really as a highlight of people who are really saying, you know what. It, I don't know if we'd ever use this or not, but we've been ha we've had it for like a day, and I've already used it three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. here locally, you know, we, we have a lot of uh, tourism, and we have a lot of waterways, and so yeah. uh, they went live with it. I think December of nineteen here at Baldwin. I got here in May of twenty, mm -hmm. and uh, we already had some success stories last year. But last year was COVID, and we didn't get a full tourist season in. So right. uh, and. Uh, hope this doesn't sound too cold or sinister but i'm excited about the ways we're going to be able to use it this year right uh given that we're going to have a full tourist season and just see what kind of impact that we're able to make uh, from just the, the what data we're getting now and as you say i mean we're early in 2021 so if you can make some of this stuff happen by may then you know who knows what we'll be doing yeah <laughs> so i would say that there are two there are three things i'll talk about real quick uh so one is the, the service we provide is twofold. One is location information. So uh, device-based hybrid location from a device. So that means Bluetooth, you know, um, wireless access points. It could be dead reckoning, but the device, of course, it's satellite, GPS and coverage, et cetera, which is above and beyond the data you get on Alley. Okay. The second piece is, of course, additional data. Right, that, that ADR piece that we refer to at Nina uh, in the I3 document, additional data repository, which is additional data about the incident or the caller or the device that we can pass on to you. Secondly is it's available nationwide. Um, I, don't, I don't care where you work, if you listen to this device or listen to this device, listen to this podcast, uh, whatever device you're on, we can be there for you. And thirdly is, yes, it's free. Uh, just reach out to me and JPP House, all common spelling, uh, at rapidsos.com <laughs> or CSM at rapidsos.com. Uh, and we will help you get, get it out and rolling. Um, I think that for me, it's, I, I, I had a boss once uh, who, who just, you know, fought the wireless piece when it first came out. And, and, and sooner or later, we came around to it. And I can remember just as a new telecommunicator being really nervous. And I was like, man, this is new technology, and I don't know how this triangulation thing works. And and now we talk about the Ray Bombs Act and what the difference between height above ellipsoid is versus floor three plus meters accuracy. And I'm like, whew, we're just going to keep pushing, aren't we? And the public's <laughs> like, yeah, we expect you to keep pushing. We expect you to do better. We expect you to have a more informed response. We expect you to be wiser in your response and how you appropriate resources. And if you're worried about those things and you're thinking about those things or you have calls where you think, man, if I just had a little bit more th for this call or this person, we would, this would not be a tragedy. Reach out to us. Uh, if nothing else, let us, let, us, let us at least try to impact you with three or four months. Just work with us and say, man, 
I wish I'd had this before because my team, the customer success team, they're all nylon people, right? They're all public safety driven. They're all focused on making sure you have the best experience. Um, and that's for us is where the rubber meets the road. I mean, yes, I would, I would dare say if you look at market penetration by PSAP, we're really close to being the largest public safety company in the U.S. because we're in 40, well, we're over 4,000 PSAPs nationwide growing Excellent. every week. Um, but that doesn't mean we get stagnant, right? We don't sit still. Right. We're like, how can we continue to impact them? How can we deepen that relationship? What things are we hearing back from them to say, hey, this this new Ray Bombs thing really concerns me. What are y'all doing about it? We'll show you. Hey, here's what we're working on. Um, hey, this this piece about missing persons. We, we had a conversation this past week. We and my team, we do a thing called Innovate, N-O-V-8. We started November the 8th, but we call it Innovate. Uh, yeah, I know it's nerdy. <laughs> it's nerdy. Just go with it. And uh, I asked my team, I said, hey, just come up with some ideas over the next two months. Um, and they came up with like 19 different ideas how we can impact public safety on the fly. And this time around, I said, hey, let's, let's do the same thing again for a quarter. But let's think about missing persons, exploited persons, and human trafficking. What can we do uh, with Rapid SOS Portal and Jurisdiction View to really impact those things? Um, because that's, that's huge for community. And I know, Dan, if you've been around, I'm sure you've had missing person calls. And okay. there's, there seems to be... There seems to be no other call that really impacts a community more than a missing child. It doesn't turn out good. Yep. It stays with that community. It becomes almost an identity for that community. And it's important that we figure out ways that we can help those communities um, not experience that. And you know my background, um, big search and rescue nerd, right? Really a search nerd. Um, <laughs> and and it's I've been on those calls where it's just been like... Like you knew day two, you just felt helpless, right? It's, it's transitioned. It's a different call type now. Right. What can we do? How can we leverage that technology? Uh, how can we leverage information intelligence? How can we leverage those things to ensure there isn't a day two? Exactly. Right. There's no day two operational picture. We're done. We finished on day one. Good outcome. Everybody went home. That's what we yeah. want. Well, that's some amazing stuff, Jameson. Uh, I just, uh, I, I, can't believe I had this opportunity. I'm just so honored to have you on and sure, man. just brainstorm with you and, and get excited. You're like my little cheerleader <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for what what's happening in the 911. To me, it's just like I said. It, I, I just I can't even express the excitement that I, I feel already, knowing that things are happening and and what so many of us have known that we needed it in 911 is is on the horizon. It's coming and. Uh, we're, we're going to make, well, you guys, along with what we're doing in the seats every day, are going to make such an impact on humanity and in the world. And, yeah. uh, you know, right. it, I just, I really can't even put it all into words. Man, when you try to, I, I, I like words. <laughs> I think words separate us from, from the rest of animals, right? And the ability to communicate on a level that's, you know, really intelligent. And um, I still can't find them for what we do. And it'll come. And th there's a word out there I know. I just it'll, it'll come, but when it does, it's gonna be like, ah, that's the one, right? That's that's, it. that's how we talk about how we go from not one worries emergency to like you just said, how do we impact humanity today? 
Right. How, how do we, you know, we push beyond boundaries. We push beyond stumbling blocks. We push beyond these, these little roadblocks we have. We push beyond politics. We push beyond operational needs. We push beyond staffing issues. And we really start listening to what y'all need in the comm center. Continue that process of refinement. Um, y'all give us the vision and the impassion. Then we turn around and give you that really focused piece of it. And there's nothing we can't accomplish. I mean, I, I was wrapping up, but you just triggered me to say something else. You know, we, <laughs> Sorry, we say, No, we, we say, uh, not one where is your emergency? I mean, I, I see a day where we say, uh, okay, Mr. Smith, I've got you at 1234 Main Street, and uh, I see that you have a fire in, in your kitchen. Are you out safely? We've got the fire department on the way. And, I mean, that's that's it. That's the call. Right, and you think that's crazy? You Like like for us, it's like, that's crazy. We'll never get there. I dare you to call your local Domino's. Well, they know where you're you at. Too. They're saying, yeah, hey, Mr. Like, right? I got you yep, at 1, 2, yep. 3, 4 Main Street. Uh, I know you like pepperonis. Would, <laughs> would you like your original, would you like your normal pepperoni with some uh, cheese yes. this today? Yes, exactly. And I haven't said anything yet. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, and if and if we have people who are working that telephone system in Domino's come to work for 911, they're like, what is this archaic crap? I mean... <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you wrap up because, I mean, that's, that's, oh, that's a whole we, different we, conversation. We could, talk, <laughs> we could talk for days about this. Well, Jameson, well, thank you so much, man. I, I appreciate uh, you you being on with me. And if you will, just just finish up and let everybody know one more time how they can uh, take, take advantage of these tools you guys have. Listen, just email me. J-P-E-E-V-Y-H-O-U-S-E at rapidsos.com. Let us know if you have any good stories that you want to feedback to us that you've been working with through the portal or through Jurisdiction View. If you have scenes or scenarios that came up, be like, how could you have helped us with that? Let me know. We'll work that process with you. If you just want to have a conversation, tell us how we can help relationships. That's what we're here for. Um, and if you're not, if you're not a what I call quote unquote customer, I'm not sure how we're a customer since we give it away. Um, but you, you want to say, hey, how can we get on board with this? How long will it take? How quickly can we do this? email me. Well, we'll take care of you. We'll get you up and running. Um, at the end of the day, we do this because we are driven to support the needs and the functions of 911. And there's there's no greater need and function 911 than telecommunicator. And we're here to empower them. Thanks, Dan, for having me on today. It's, it's been fantastic. I know we could probably talk for hours. So Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Jameson. And until next time, take care of yourself. See you soon, brother. Thank you for listening to Public Safety Technology. I am your host, Dan Wright. You can find me on LinkedIn at Dan H. Wright. You can also visit my website, www.danhwright.com to see all the services we offer. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll share our content and our podcast, and we hope to see you next time. Stay safe.